Hello, and welcome to Chasing Chalamet, a formerly bi-weekly podcast where I, Dane McDonald, pop culture enthusiast and semi-functional Timothy Chalamet fan, and a special guest deep dive into the filmography and the work of the one, the only Oscar nominee, Timothy Hal Chalamet. It's been a while since you've heard from us regarding a movie. We did do an episode on Timmy's recent appearance on SNL that you can go back and listen to uh, with our friend Tori Dunlap if you'd like. Uh, but we are covering a narrative film for the first time in a while, because of the Dune 2 push, the only narrative feature we will be covering this year on Chasing Chalamet, we are talking about Paul King's musical family comedy, emphasis on musical there. It is a musical. They don't want you to know that anymore, because apparently test audiences hate musicals, but this is a musical. Spoiler alert. Wonka. We're going to cover our thoughts, our feelings, any critiques we might have about the film, whatever it is we want to say about Wonka. Uh, then we will dig into Timmy's performance and his role within the film. What function does he serve to the story? As the titular character, I can pretty much tell you it's going to be pretty important. Um, is he cast well? What does his participation in this film bring to the table? Then, on a scale from one to five peaches, we will together grade the episode in different, or I'm sorry, not the episode, I'm still reading my outline from SNL. We're going to together grade the film in different categories. The quality of the film, Timmy's performance, his attractiveness, and most importantly, his hair. All right, now that we've laid table stakes for this episode, we're going to bring in today's guest. He's a writer whose bylines can be found in such esteemed publications as the New York Times, Vulture, BuzzFeed, and Time. Please welcome to Chasing Chalamet, Lewis Peitzman. Hello, Lewis. How are you? Hi, Dane. I'm good. Last time I saw you was a much more stressful experience. So. <laughs> it is. Yes. Um, as anyone who listens to the show and perhaps pays attention to my other occasional appearances um, on the internet and on podcast feeds, um, I met Lewis doing an episode of Screen Drafts focused on the entire 100-year history of the Walt Disney Animation Company, which, yes, to Lewis's point, really happy to say that Paul King's Wonka is a lot lower stakes than a whole century of Walt Disney animation. Yeah, I also was like, I, you know, I think we're on the same page about this movie, not to give too much away, which, like, you know, you never know. I sure. really went into this thinking I was going to hate it, and so, yeah. like, I was ready to, like, get here and, and fight, but I don't think we'll have to, which is which is nice. Yeah, no, I I mean, and, and I'll be totally honest with you, Lewis, like something I do pride myself on with this show, while it is obviously very fan based around Timothy, I never want to come in and just like love everything he does. I do want to take a look at like the work and like I think you can kind of hold tooth and we honestly talked about this a lot on the Disney draft, this idea that like you can really love something and then recognize when it's also flawed or when, you know, it's not kind of up to snuff with other work that somebody's done. And I think it's really interesting to think about that in the context of like an actor versus like a studio, which is something we did in the Disney draft. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I have to be honest, like I went into Wonka, not really sure how I was going to feel. I mean, obviously I host Timothy Chalamet podcast. Like there's an inherent bias that I can't pretend it isn't there, but I don't think it would be a surprise to anyone listening. Um, the advertising and the trailers for this movie were not great. <laughs> it was a little worrisome. Yeah, they were actually really bad. <laughs> I also just like, I think that for me, you know, I obviously I love Willy Wonka, the original movie. 
Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I was a little bit, I wasn't young enough to really like imprint on that movie. And I find Johnny Depp in that movie so creepy. Mm-hmm. And so like, I, and like visually, I feel like Timmy's Wonka is like almost Johnny Deppy. Like it's a little bit more mm-hmm. styled like Johnny Depp than like Gene Wilder. So I had that like hesitation of like, this is not my Wonka. Yeah. But also the musical thing was so weird because... You know, I get it now. Like, this is not a new thing. I know that there was an article recently about how they're, like, hiding movies that are musicals. But that's not new. That That's existed for, like... I remember, like, arguing about this in the early 2000s. Like, any movie that was musical, they were, like, hiding it. Or they would do that thing where they would, like... I remember the Dreamgirls trailer where they played... And I am telling you from the original cast recording, like, they wouldn't even... They wouldn't show you the actual footage <laughs> from the movie. But I digress. Um... So I I kind of thought maybe, like, it was just going to be a bad musical. Like, once I realized that it had songs, like, they were hiding him singing. So I was very, like, nervous about that aspect of it. And I was shocked when I, like, sat down and it opens with a song. Like, the first thing you hear is him singing. Yeah. The movie's not hiding it. The trailers were just, like, really bad. And I question those test audiences or whoever they're, like, doing this, you know, research on. Like, maybe they should not have trailers tailored to them. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to go too far off on this tangent just because we have so, so much to cover. But yeah, I, 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 someone on Twitter compared it to like how the whole thing about like how they try to market the Oscars to like the masses. And it's like, no, why don't you just market the Oscars to me, a person who loves movies and will like gladly watch a five hour ceremony where like we dig into like all of the nominees and like, right. You know, obviously, like, I don't want to be naive to the business side of things. Obviously, they need to sell tickets. And, like, as of the time we're recording this, it's past an opening weekend. Like, the movie's doing pretty good um, overseas and domestically. So, I mean, even though those trailers were bad, I mean, who knows, Lewis? Maybe you and I exist on, like, a very niche side of film Twitter that talks about these things. And maybe the masses love it. I don't know. No, I mean, it's definitely... I think the trailers, I think, were... um, I, I think the positive reactions were shocking to most people i mean i don't know how online everyone like a lot of people are seeing the trailer and they're not on twitter like arguing about it so i don't know if like the general public felt that way but i feel like everyone that i know who saw the trailer was like this is hot garbage Mm -hmm. and it just doesn't really i mean maybe it's partly that doesn't work out of context but i also feel like it was just it's just a trailer that doesn't really capture what the tone of the movie is so i think it makes sense that you'd see that and kind of go in like arms folded and Mm -hmm be pleasantly surprised which maybe is like the way to appreciate a movie like this is to be kind of like feeling like you're going to be negative and then getting to be won over exactly well before we dig too too far into the movie itself because obviously i think we both have a lot to talk about um i want to hear lewis your reaction a what was it like to meet me under the kind of guise of being a, a disney adult who wants to like talk about disney films on screen drafts and then have me invite you on to my timothy chalamet centric podcast like what was that kind of 180 like for you and then contextually you know where do you sit within um the the cultural consciousness and i dare say because i'm not sure but you know fandom of timothy chalamet what's kind of your journey um sort of like from you know maybe the first time that you saw him to to sitting in the theater and being pleasantly surprised by wonka um Okay, a lot, a lot there. I will say I was very I was very honored when you asked me to do this. I was like a little bit like, shit, I have to see Wonka now, which was not a priority. <laughs> but now I'm glad that it happened because I would have I would have put off seeing it. Um, you know, Disney is a weird thing for me because like I don't think of myself as a Disney adult 
per se. I just like happened. I've seen all those movies multiple times and I've done the full rewatch of like the entire canon multiple times. So I feel like I probably qualify, but it was just like a different, it's not an area that I necessarily feel like super confident in. I don't know that like Timothy Chalamet's an area I feel super confident in either, but I do feel like a semi early adopter in that, Mm -hmm. like, I guess I first saw him on Homeland and then I saw Prodigal Son. Oh, so you've seen him on stage. Yeah. So I I saw Prodigal Son in 2016 and that was like a play where the play was like whatever, but everyone was talking about how good he was. And it was like the kid from Homeland is like really, really good in this play. Mm -hmm. He was like the only part that I remember about that play. Were there any other names in it? I don't remember who was in it, which is like tell you something. I mean, it was like at MTC off Broadway. Okay. And... He was the selling point. Like, he was the person that, like, everyone was saying, you have to see it for him. Uh, and then I saw Miss Stevens that year. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many people have seen that movie. Obviously, you've seen it. I think it's a kind of good movie. Oh, I love it. I think it's great. It also has, like, an iconic cast. Yes. Including, wait, I think that's the one that Lohanthony's in, right? Yeah, which the... That's the, a, a dark tale, but... Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know how much how much you do or don't know about where he's at right now, but... <laughs> I, yeah, I definitely have followed the Lohanthony saga. But, like, yeah, great cast, great movie. So yeah, I was I was like an early-ish fan, and then like Call Me By Your Name was like a huge part of my 2017. Yep. So yeah, I, I do feel like well-versed enough in Timmy. Sure. I was looking at his filmography, and there are like several that I have not seen. Mm-hmm. But like in terms of like recent movies that I loved, like, you know, Bones and All, one of my top films of last year. Yep. Fucking love Dune. Uh, love Little Women, like movies that everyone should love. Yep. And then I just like ignore things like Don't Look Up, which I have less <laughs> kind feelings about. Uh, unfortunately or fortunately, I suppose there is, because of this podcast, audio um, evidence of the fact that I did enjoy Don't Look Up. Um, have I ever watched it again? No. Um, a lot of people did. It just like, I went, that was a movie that I went into like so angry that I had to watch it because it was like, I was like watching all the nominees and I was like, I can't believe I have to watch this and I fucking hated it. Yeah. Adam McKay, I don't think he's like super active on Twitter anymore, um, but he did follow me on Twitter and I was like very afraid. Sometimes you like forget. We never talked or anything. He just like, we happened to follow each other and I was always like, I'm going to say something shitty about this movie that I hate. And he's gonna be upset with me. Oh, Timmy. Oh, yeah. I did want to. I teased you that I was gonna tell you my my story of our personal interaction. Yes. And also, I, I do have to point out. Um, and this, I, I think, this is just a byproduct of the fact that um, the aforementioned screen drafts have been very fortunate to um, be able to kind of use um, the people I've interacted with on that show to come onto my show. And a lot of those people have been more in the industry. Um, writers, things like that. So the more the more and more I do the show, the more and more I actually talk to people who've interacted with Timothy, which is both cool for content, but then less cool for me, a person who just um, hangs out in Chicago and does this podcast and probably doesn't have a strong chance of ever interacting with him. But I digressed. Lewis, I'm very excited to hear about your Timmy I feel like you could make it happen. Sure. I feel like eventually he'll do your show. Uh, yeah, I mean... That's I mean, how these things work. It's like that Tom Hanks podcast, right? Like you have to just kind of keep <laughs> at it and then eventually it happens. I went to the New York Film Critics Circle dinner. I'm not in the New York Film Critics Circle. I was invited by a friend who is, and it was the Call Me By Your Name year, and I was, like, mm-hmm. very excited because I really wanted to meet him. So I definitely, like, and I'm not someone who's, like, trying to meet people like that, gener- like, 
generally speaking, but I like very much wanted to meet Timothy Chalamet. And I was like, if I have a chance to like non awkward, like it's like, it's a dinner, it's like seated. So you're not really mm-hmm. like, there's not a ton of mingling time. And then like the, the actors, anyone who's like famous is like doing photos and like, it's not, it's not a lot of like, you know, chatting, but I was like, if I have a chance to meet him, I'm going to say that I saw him in prodigal son because I feel like if you want to like approach someone who's like famous from tv movies if you bring up like the theater they did it's always like unless they like hated it it's gonna be like a really positive interaction yes there was a moment like after the dinner at some point when he was like standing by himself so i like went over to him and i was like saying that like i loved him in prodigal son and he like grabbed my hand to like shake my hand but then he like we were like talking he never like let it go so we ended up like we were like talking for a second and i was like my i'm gonna ask him how he prefers his name to be pronounced because mm-hmm. like at that point I feel like there was still some debate about it. So I, and he said that cool people say Timote, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know if he's dropped that. I don't think anyone says that at this point. Um, but the point is we had this like interaction for like, I don't know, 45 seconds. I can generously say a minute, but probably not that long. And we like, we held hands the whole time just because he was shaking my hand and forgot to let it go. But I say I, we, I say we held hands the whole time. So that was my personal interaction with him. I mean, I've seen him say, I went to like wherever Beautiful Boy premiered. Was that at TIFF or at Sundance? One of those. Yeah, yeah I know. I, I want to say it screened at Venice, but I'm not sure if you made your way over to Venice. Okay, yeah. Then it was, de- def- I think it was TIFF. Yeah, yeah. I, so I, I, I mean, I saw him there, but that was our last like in-person interaction. Sure. I am going to the New York Film Critics Circle dinner this time. I don't think he'll be there but yeah i'm not sure if wonka's on there i don't know much about the new york film no they already they already already did they did their awards already and now it's like this is the dinner where like they celebrate the winners so um very unlikely they'll have a repeat of that but um still excited yeah i mean well yeah and again now i I don't want to get too far down on a tangent but i guess that's just what a podcast is in general what's kind of so i guess like you know and this isn't like a, a rule of thumb or anything but i feel like at least Every year in some category, there's sort of like the ingenue or the up and comer or in like the Timothy case, like the hot young new twink who's like ascending to stardom. And I guess last year, I guess maybe like Austin Butler was filling that. Is there anyone this year who's doing that or is it just like. Isn't it Jacob Elordi? Oh, it is Jacob. Yeah, but I'm not sure how I feel like. I mean, uh, I'm not sure if you saw Priscilla or Saltburn. I know know you've seen Saltburn. I've seen Saltburn. I haven't seen Priscilla yet. Okay, I think he's great in priscilla i think he is um and i don't say this with any shade i think elvis is fine the movie um i think austin butler is one of the best parts of that movie um that said jacob elordi is a far superior elvis in my estimation so i'd be thrilled if he was getting kind of the buzz but yeah i guess i guess i guess jacob elordi is kind of taking up that ment- that mantle but i don't know if he's gonna like cross over into to oscar nominee territory yeah i don't think that's gonna happen for him this year yeah, but maybe at some point. Yeah, I believe. But no, in him. I, I agree with you. He, I, I, I hesitate to call him a twink because the height factor there is pretty astonishing. But I feel like the other like hunky breakout who will get an Oscar nomination is Charles Melton, but that's like mm. he's not really a twink either. No, he's like a Riverdale twink, which means he's like you know in his late twenties and sure. high school. Yeah, and and I was about to make a joke about how I shouldn't make this into a twink podcast, but I guess by name it kind of is. <laughs> um, have you got a chance to see the holdovers yet? Yes. Okay, I'm gonna blank on that actor's name, but like I feel like he's kind of dark horse. Like people are talking about how great he is, but I don't know if he's gonna like 
cross into like nomination territory but i feel like he could be a contender yeah he's and he's like a good twink right like he i don't i don't know what qualifies as a twink anymore i feel like i'm too old and out of touch (laughs) i don't know what i won't speak for you i don't know what a twink is anymore i just know that i'm no longer one that's all i know what's important to know is that you're out of the category right (laughs) no i really liked him in the holdovers but i was like on letterbox and like people like some people like hate that performance which i find really crazy baffling dominic sessa is that his name Yes, that, that sounds correct. Yeah, no, I mean, maybe he's the Twink of the Year who's going to get yeah. an Oscar nomination. You never know. You never know. Well, I, I love all of that. I love that you have held hands and discussed um, pronunciation. Pronunciation. I've always sort of thought, like, and this is in my, like, I can't overthink how I would react if I met him just because, A, I'd want to keep it cool, and, and B, um, I just can't spend my, my time and energy on that. I'm too busy making this podcast and doing other things. I I wonder if I would slip and say Timote, if I would say Timmy, if I would just be too shocked to like give him a name. Um, but it kind of sounds like maybe he'd be cool with any of it if he was kind of pushing yeah. Timote. I think the thing about like actors who are kind of baby girl is like they're <laughs> used to people being so fucking weird with them. Like I think that like yeah. as long as you're like somewhat normal you're gonna be a more like positive experience than I mean like you get used to it I'm sure on some yeah. on some level but like. They deal with, like, screaming people, crying people, like, a level of uncool that, like, you and I will probably not approach with anyone sure. publicly. So it's, like, I think that that just makes it... I try to remind myself of that when I feel like I'm being awkward in a in a situation with someone who is famous where I'm, like, I'm probably being less awkward than, like, yeah. someone who's, like, sobbing. Yeah, there's something to be said about being... Um, genuine and conversational versus potentially um, having a meltdown in front of a person you've never And met. to be clear, I, he was really great in Prodigal Son, so I was not just using that as an entry point. Sure. It was a calculated choice to open with that, yes. but I did mean it, sincerely. Yeah, yeah I'm, and now I'm wondering if, if that is kind of, if I choose that to be my in, which of his, like, weird movies that I've seen because of this show would I use? Like, would it be his, like, weird-ass movie with Kiernan Shipka called One and Two, um i think you gotta open with the podcast like you gotta just like go for it you gotta be like (laughs) sorry to be like i happen to have a podcast about you like just wanted to say hi cut through the bullshit yeah exactly um no love all of that love your interaction with him super excited that that uh is the context to you coming into all of this um well let's let's talk about wonka i mean we've 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 teased it a bit how we both kind of came in with these um what i'll call basement-esque level expectations given the marketing and you know just I I think part of it for me too and this was kind of the double-edged sword I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this Lewis Paul King the director director of Paddington Paddington 2 just saying those words like director of Paddington Paddington 2 I feel like because and, and, and obviously Paddington is an IP I think it's a little ridiculous to say that like you couldn't make the argument that Paul King is like selling out by doing Wonka um given that he's done Paddington before which is an IP and then also this is just the lay of the land within Hollywood right now is is IP um I think there was sort of this I don't want to say clamoring but maybe just like a an expectation or potentially um a glee to maybe seeing Paul King kind of stumble after hitting two intensely good home runs um so yeah i i'm, I'm curious a w- when did it kind of click with you that you were liking wonka and then 
when did you first cry in Wonka? <laughs> when did I first cry? Great question. Um, yeah, I hear you about Paul King. I don't, I wouldn't think, think of this as like selling out or anything, but I do think it's notable that he like cast Americans. Like that does mm-hmm. take away from like, if you look at the cast of like Paddington and Paddington 2, it's like a who's who of like great British actors um, and Australian, but like there aren't Americans in those movies as far as I can remember. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas Wonka has timmy and keegan michael key natasha rothwell yeah yeah otherwise like yes otherwise a lot of british actors but um yeah i i don't know i was pretty in it right away i i had like also like obviously at that point heard enough positive buzz from people that i trust that i was like okay like there's a chance that i might really like this yeah i was really taken by the music honestly so as soon as it started i was like oh these songs are like at the very least like not bad and then like got better and I, when did I first cry? I don't think that I cried until the end, like the part that's supposed to make you cry. Like, I remember that I saw someone like tweet or post in letterbox about like how they were like angry that it made them cry. And I was like, I'm not going to cry at this. Like, I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to, it's going to be warm. I'm going to enjoy it. And I, but then at the end I was like, oh fuck, like, I'm actually going to really cry at this movie. Yeah. It's like emotionally manipulative, but not in a bad way. Like I think it's it's emotionally uh, affecting. I, it's it's definitely like a choice yeah. to make me emotional, and I yep. respect it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I am both just far too strong in my Timmy Stammanship, and not as strong as you. I was crying within thirty seconds of this movie starting, and I'm going to tell you, Lewis Peitzman, why. Um, so. <laughs> It was it was very fun. So I very much like you went in very excited that the buzz was good after the trailers. And so <clears throat> my boyfriend and I kind of did what we do when we were going to go see a movie. Um, we're here in Chicago and we have the um, our AMC downtown has like the Dolby Theater. And that's kind of where we see our Marvel movies, our big budget stuff like Killers of the Flower Moon played in there. So that's kind of like our go to theater to see stuff that gets released in like premium formats. Um, so we we went to got dinner beforehand sitting in our seats, the credits start, and I think it dawned on me, um, and this is kind of to your point earlier with, like, the don't look up of it all, or, like, a movie like The French Dispatch. I was like, oh, I don't really sense Dune. You can make an argument for Bones and all, but not since, like, Dune have I seen, like, Timmy in the lead. Like, yeah. um, I would argue that Bones, Bones and all... Bones and all is she's the, she's the lead, and he's, like, more yeah. supporting. And he doesn't come into later in the movie, and it's all very much framed around her, um taylor russell's character i'm blanking on the character's name right now but yeah timothy chalamet's lee doesn't come until later so like it kind of dawned on me that this was like the first time i was seeing like lead top build timmy in in a hot minute and so i got like a little choked up like i got a little excited and i'm gonna let like my standmanship show a bit here and that's totally fine because if you're listening to the show you obviously know where i stand on him um and then it was the shot where as you mentioned lewis and also Side note, I never, like, give plot details in these episodes because I'm just assuming if you're here, you've both seen Wonka. (laughs) Yeah, that's how I feel about most movie podcasts where I'm like, I think it's good to go over certain things about the plot, but I'm like, you got to assume that there's, like, some sort of, like, base level interest when someone saw the movie at this point. Exactly, exactly. Um, So it's, the as as you mentioned, the movie opens, um, he's singing, I believe the song is called Hat Full of Dreams. Very, very delightful. Um, And Timmy's kind of coming in as Wonka, uh, on this ship kind of into this like unnamed european town where he's going to come open up his chocolate factory or his chocolate shop and it was the shot where he comes out of the mist kind of on the mast of the ship and then he 
jumps down and slides down a rope that's covered in icicles. And as he comes down, all of the icicles kind of break off and clatter to the surface of the boat. And I just was like reminded like, oh, Paul King like builds sets and like has people interact with tactile things around them. And I think that combined with like the two beers I'd had before the movie started and the one I opened during the opening credits, I just started crying. And I like looked over to my boyfriend and I was like, I have no fucking idea why I'm crying. I'm just crying because this is just beautiful and I'm happy. And yeah, I think I think even though it was early on in the movie, I sort of had that like, okay, I can exhale. Like I, I, the song is good. It's looking good. Timmy's singing. Like I feel like we're in good hands. So I think there was just this relief I felt and it came out via my via my eyes. I totally get that. By the way, I love following you and Casey on Letterboxd because <laughs> like you almost always agree on movies and I'm like, you must be like perfect for each other to have the exact same taste <laughs> in everything that you see. Except for the yeah. stitch, not to like open old wounds. <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. Yeah, I uh, that that's a great little Easter egg if you want to go and listen to um, Lewis and I on the the Disney draft about how uh, my boyfriend Casey's opinion on Lilo and Stitch sort of swayed some some gameplay there. But yeah, no, Casey and I we we agree pretty often. Or yeah, and and I don't. I'm trying to think of like a good because even Lilo and Stitch, like I still think is a good movie. Like it's not an immense hate yeah so yeah we're we're usually on the same page so um it is it is and you know and we'll, we'll we'll get into this a bit too but i think another part about the movie that really touched me and, and this is getting into again i'm going to assume you've seen the movie but i guess i'll give a spoiler alert um there's sort of this through line throughout the movie um that uh willie has this um chocolate bar that he's not opened up because it's from his mom um and it's kind of this idea that like when he achieves his dreams and when he finally opens up his his chocolate bar he's gonna like see her again and she's gonna be there even though she's she's since died uh in the story um and when he opens it there's this note um first of all it's on a golden ticket which like i'm one of those like i try not to be nostalgic and i try not to like put too much stock into like easter eggs but like kind of like in the, Mil the millennium falcon reveal in force awakens like when it works it works like i'm not gonna pretend yeah. like it's not cute i thought the golden ticket reveal was very sweet and then there's just this note about like because the whole thing is he thinks he's gonna learn like the secret ingredient or the secret recipe of the chocolate and the note from his mom just says like there's no secret ingredients it's just, it's just sharing it with people you love so again contextually i've now finished my second beer we're four beers total so i think sitting next to casey and seeing that message i think that's really you know, and I, I won't give away peach ratings here, but I think I tacked on half a star or half a peach yeah. uh, based on the ratings later, purely for this, the realization that like, oh, this is exactly what I'm doing. I'm enjoying this with somebody that I love. Well, I saw it alone, so that's probably why <laughs> I kept my rating down. No, I, I, I did see it. I had like a very... I'll just say that I had a very bad experience seeing it at first. I was reading the tea leaves on your tweet. Oh and I, I assumed you were watching Wonka. I almost messaged you to be like, oh, shit. Do we have to cancel? Yeah, because I go to the Times Square AMC, which is like the worst AMC you can go to. It happens to be so close to my apartment that I can get there in five minutes. So I see. And it also is playing every movie like 20 times a day because it's a giant. Yeah. How many screens are in it? Do you know? 25. You know? Okay. I only know that because I learned the numbers mean how many screens there are recently. And now I can deploy <laughs> that knowledge. So yeah, I, I went to see it at like a random theater. It would look fine. It was like I, I sat down and like during the trailers, I started to feel crazy because 
the like it looks a little bit blurry but also there were there were green and pink lines on the screen and i couldn't tell if anyone around me could see this because i was by myself so i couldn't ask like i didn't want to ask a random person but it looked like like something was like wrong and like off with it but i thought maybe it was just the trailers and mm-hmm. then you got to the nicole kidman part and like she looked weird and the, like everything just looked off and i was like i'm gonna tough it out and like wonka started and he starts start singing and this, the song starts and i was like i actually can't watch the movie this way because i like it's gonna like ruin the whole experience but there was an imax one starting in five minutes so i mm. left and then bought a ticket to the imax one but the bad part was that i have a list but you can't buy tickets that conflict with other showing you can't do it by two showings that conflict and i yeah. couldn't cancel one that i was already in so i paid out of pocket for the wow. imax showing which was 25 dollars um Usually that's only reserved for like Taylor Swift and Beyonce at AMC. I know, I know. But the fact that I still had such a good time is a testament to the movie because I was like, I could have been so grumpy based on that experience. But yeah, I think like, I I totally get feeling that relief at the beginning. I felt relieved by his voice because I had also seen comments being like, he can't really sing. And it's like, I don't think he has like an incredible like showstopper voice. Yeah. I don't think it's that kind of movie. Like, I think that no. you have to kind of go into it. Like, a lot of people are expecting, like, Broadway belting, but, like, this is not that kind of musical. It's, like, yeah. much more grounded. They all sound like real people. They yep. all sound good, but they don't sound like, you know, they're not really, like, hitting hitting high notes. Like, it's not, that's not what we're here for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was very, like, happy with his voice. I thought it was, like, perfect for what the movie was. Yeah. But I, I, I guess I understand if you don't really have if you if you're going into it for like a like a, a more classic Broadway style movie musical, you might be a little bit like maybe waiting for a level he's not going to hit. Yeah, I totally I totally agree with you. And I think that. Yeah, there's a lot of ways you can kind of read that. I think one of the things for me is the wordplay and the lyricism is so fun and unexpected and whimsical that like you're not really grounded in thinking about, to your point, like hitting the notes or the vocal styling. It's much more about like the storytelling aspect of it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just, I think this is just a movie where I don't want to like say you shouldn't expect good vocals. I just, I think that there are just so many other things at play within this movie that to get hung up on the vocals is just sort of missing the point. And also they're just, and you know, and I don't mean competent in a bad way. They're competent enough that like it's not distracting. Yeah. Like, um, I know this is a movie that you and I potentially disagree on. Though I will say, I watched 15 minutes of it a couple weeks ago, and I realized, oh wow, maybe I was realizing this with rose-colored glasses. Um, there's no like Emma Watson and Beauty and the Beast. Moment. I was just thinking about Emma Watson and Beauty and the Beast. But that's the thing is like there are movies where the singing does take me out of it. I do think Timmy's a better singer than she is. So that's part of yes. it. Yes. Yeah. She's also singing songs that we and I know he sings Pure Imagination. And I, I mean, I don't know if anyone listening to this is like will take offense to this as a Gene Wilder stand. I have no idea. I apologize in advance. Thinking about it, like, I don't think you, like, listen to Gene Wilder sing Pure Imagination and go, like, oh, a vocalist. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no. I think that for me, the issue is, like, I have trouble with movies that are, like, more, either more traditional musicals, like Beauty and the Beast, or, like, an adapta- a movie version of, like, a, of a stage musical, so, like, Les Mis or mm-hmm. Sweeney Todd, where I'm, like, oh, these people, like, don't sound like they should sound to me, a person who has seen this on Broadway. Like, that's not... Yeah. 
I need I need like vocals and I'm like a big proponent of like if you want to cast like big name actors just dub them like I don't yep. actually like I want to hear like good singing if I'm here for Sondheim or like mm-hmm. Mink and Ashman like I want to hear like Broadway belting but yeah. I do think this is totally different and I think it was like charming and the charm is partly like that those songs feel accessible like it feels like you know you could sing those songs it's not something that feels like um you know they're they're all kind of like cute and grounded and i think his voice is like perfect for that yeah yeah totally agreed yeah like uh, uh, unfairly or not and now that i'm thinking about it i wonder to kind of to your point is there an expectation when a movie is an original musical, a.k.a. has not been staged before? Because I'm thinking about how, and maybe this is a bad example because I actually do think these two people are good vocalists. It's kind of the Moulin Rouge thing where, like, you don't expect Hugh and McGregor or Nicole Kidman to be, like, incredible vocalists. I would say they, they sound really good in that movie, um, regardless of whatever help they did or didn't have in the recording studio. They definitely um, had help, which is totally fine. Everyone deserves that. <laughs> right, exactly. So I wonder if just there's, like, you know, to your point, like when I'm putting in Les Mis or whatever, like I know how those songs should sound. And when you have perhaps someone who is not um, in their in, in their triple threat of talents, if vocals are not at the peak, um, if that's OK or not. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think it's also like there are, we don't get a lot of original musicals like yeah. at this point. I, I mean, I'm trying to think. Apparently about- audiences don't want them. <laughs> or they don't know they want them. Sure. But, like, I can't even... I'm trying to think of, like, original movie musicals over the past, like, few years, and, like, I'm kind of drawing a blank. Yeah. I'm thinking of, like, Once, which was, like, now many, many years ago. Yeah. Uh, La La Land would be, like, the biggest hit yeah. one, I think. But th- but that's similar. I mean, La La Land and Once, those are musicals where, like, I don't think that, like, the singing... It, the singing is great in Once. It's just, like, it's not Broadway-style mm-hmm. music. La La Land, I feel like part of the... Fallen to me feels closer to um, like everyone says I love you or like musicals where like they're not supposed to sound that amazing. It doesn't sound like normal people singing a little bit. And I feel like yep. like, like no shade to to Emma Stone or, or Ryan Gosling, but like they do sound to me like normal people singing who are like good singers would be great at karaoke, but not like, yep. you know, and I saw Emma Stone do cabaret and mm-hmm. she was so good, but also was like, she was like perfect for Sally Bowles because like Sally Bowles should not be an incredible vocalist or it doesn't really work. Yeah. Which is why I love actress done casting for Sally Bowles. Oh my God, like, yes. I feel like Sienna Miller's played Sally Bowles. I'm like, yes, please more of that. I'm like, you. that's what we need. I, too many of them try to sound pretty and it's like, absolutely not. Um, not to go into a cabaret tangent, but um, <laughs> yeah, too much pretty singing and too much um mental breakdown during the title song where it's like like it's not original anymore we've all seen that so do, give me something different yeah. i have a lot of cabaret feelings different episode <laughs> maybe timmy will do a movie could happen timmy did play the mc in i believe high school i think he played the mc there's, i think there's there's uh photo evidence out there so this could be yeah i could see him taking up the the uh the Alan Cumming mantle in that one. Absolutely, he would crush. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I love that we're on the same page with this movie. Um, so much about so much that I loved about it I is the same reason I love the Paddington films to my point earlier. Everything feels really tactile. There are sets, there's kind of this um uh the, how do I explain this? I, I there's the scene where they're kind of all um locked up in Olivia Coleman's um 
wash house, workhouse, hotel, whatever. Um, and they're all like in these individual rooms and eventually they're all like talking outside of their windows. And it's just like, oh my God, like they're all in one frame and it feels so just put together and tactile and like the production design of this movie, I just find to be off the charts. And that's not to say that there isn't a large amount of CGI because there is, but I think there is a really beautiful reliance on the tangible parts about this movie that you can feel. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, there definitely is CGI. I think it's well integrated. I'm not like, I'm not opposed to digital effects as long as they're like not yeah. the entire, as long as it's not like a bunch of people aren't sitting in front of a green screen and it's like all added after yep. the fact. And you can tell from the way they interact that it's, it's not that. I think that like, I really appreciate how they did the scene where, you know, where he invites people into his, uh, his shop before it um, mm-hmm. catches on fire. Um, because it just like, it felt like it was obviously going for pure imagination in the original movie, but it wasn't a carbon copy. It was like, it was different enough. And it felt like, I really loved how they showed kind of like how they were making the magic happen. Um, how they were like making things happen in the shop. Like it, it it added a level of like, again, like groundedness to it where it's like, it's so whimsical and it's so over the top, but also it's like, we're going to show you what they're actually doing and what these things are actually made of so that it never feels like it's too much of a fantasy. Um, and that was a really smart choice yep. that they made. Yeah. I love that point. Um, yeah. In the scene um, before the shop burns down in a fiery mob. Um, yeah. Like they show like Jim Carter, like on a bicycle, like powering, you know, it's, it's like, it's just, it's that thing of, I don't need to exactly know how it's all coming to life, but like, if you just give you, if they just give the audience that one, like, oh, the electricity is flowing because they're on bikes. Like, it just, it, it, it just clicks in a way that it's enough explanation and it's not over-explanation. And I mean, like, um, you know, obviously it's a fantasy. There are Oompa Loompas. Like, it's not, right. he has ingredients that don't make sense. Like, it's, it's very yeah. much like a fantasy. But I think there's an element of, like, we're going to keep our feet on the ground a little bit. And it, and it makes it feel more... Um, accessible in a way and also makes him feel more like a real person where it's which is like mm-hmm. very hard to do because the character is so ridiculous but yeah. like as opposed to the Johnny Depp Willy Wonka like this Wonka does feel like that person could ex- kind of exist it's heightened yeah. but like it's a little bit more like an actual human being yeah yeah I, I love that point because um it's been a very very long time since I've seen the Johnny Depp Charlie and the Chocolate Factory um <clears throat> and I, I say that as someone who I mean, because I haven't revisited it, I don't want to, like, have an opinion on it. I don't feel like I have the hatred for it that a lot of people do. That being said, I don't think it's, like, great. I'll be clear that I have not revisited it either. Um, And I didn't hate it at the time. I didn't, I just didn't really, it was something, like, I was never super into it. I didn't hate it. But I do think, I remember enough about how weird and like late stage michael jackson-y he was that i feel like the character i can i have at least retained and like have opinions about yeah the thing i the thing i'm I'm grasping onto with it is i want to say the backstory about willy wonka is he was like a kid with like headgear who wanted to eat sweets but like couldn't there was like an origin there was an origin story yeah and i I bring that up just to say I really love how in the opening of this film, he just sings about how he's like been on the sea for seven years. And like, that's kind of it. There's no like, I mean, I guess like through the context clues in the movie, you gather that like he grew up sort of on the river in this riverboat with his mom making chocolate. And then she passes away. And then he's probably sort of like making his way through the world. But there's no like 
you know, one of the criticism I've seen of this movie is this like, and I think it's a little bit jokey, but people are like, where's the origin story of why he like tortures children? And I'm just like, A, it just does, it seems not important to this story. And B, like, come on, this is clearly Hollywood. They'll probably make two more of these at least if they want to. There's plenty of time to get to the children torture. I mean, it, it, it's a very different, like, it doesn't really work as a direct prequel to that Willy Wonka. It, it doesn't really yeah. track, and I don't think it would work as a prequel to the Johnny Depp one either. I mean, like, I, I think it's it's its own thing. It's like a, it's a, it's a prequel, but it kind of is a stand, it's standalone. And as you said, they're yep. going to definitely make more of these. Um, and I think if they, when they do that, I would guess they go in a different direction. There are, I mean, they're different. I remember see, I saw the musical version. You know, they did like the musical like was it like five yeah. years ago. I don't remember when it was, but like um. that was a horrific experience. And it <laughs> and they like they heightened the like torture of children. I remember this was I think, I think this is from the book, but there was like one of them gets like taken away by squirrels. Um, yes, and that was like in the book because he has like squirrels that get nut whatever. But it, I remember that they like have her being torn apart by squirrels. They're like pulling limbs off. Oh, you Jesus. don't see it, but you do see like limbs flying off. It's it's actually like a, a complete nightmare. <laughs> so it could have been a lot worse, is what I'm saying. But but also I think like those are all different iterations of the character, and like yeah. you can't you can't quite. Im- I don't know if they're gonna want to make like another movie where he becomes like a hardened jerkier Wonka that feels like not in the spirit of Paul King exactly I think it was um Alonzo Duralde who wrote it's really better to think about this movie as like a Paddington 3 versus like a prequel to Wonka just because I with Paul King's style and yeah to your point um I mean I'm pretty sure at this point they're like make yeah I I don't know if you noticed during the opening credits um, I'm I'm sure if uh, the the weird green pink lights were distracting you um they have the like a roll doll story or whatever kind of like it so it, clearly they're like rep you know and I, I don't know if like the recent um zemeckis the witches is part of this universe probably i haven't seen it but probably better doesn't uh-huh. that movie like not exist at all like i feel like they took it away from i don't even know if we can stream it anymore yeah. it's like it doesn't exist yeah, yeah like it, it premiered on max during covid and it's probably gone because of everything going on at max so this wonka you know 2023 sort of feels like a, a new um and world entrance to like the roll doll stories that can be told. So yeah, it kind of feels like a soft reset, but I think, you know, given, given the songs and everything, they're definitely, you know, pulling at the nostalgia of, of yeah, the I did. I noticed that. And beloved. I thought about it and I was like, it's, it's weird because I feel like roll doll, there's so much nostalgia and affection for him, but like, he was kind of a weird jerk and like his stories are yeah. pretty misanthropic and like, I loved Roald Dahl when I was a kid. Like, I I would, like, loved... I read all those books. I was so into them. But, like, I don't really know. I feel like, like, Wes Anderson's done a good job of, like, adapting because there's a lot of, like, whimsy, but also they're pretty dark. And I think he, like, obviously nails that tone. I think this was a very... To me, this take on Wonka is, like, not super Roald Dahl, except for the fat jokes, which you can get into. But, like, the rest of it, (laughs) like, doesn't really feel like it's of the spirit of the book exactly. And I and I don't yeah. I don't know that like there's an appetite for I feel like what Wes, Wes Anderson is doing with like the short films and all of that is like much more in line with Roald Dahl, but that doesn't feel like a cinematic universe that they would want to like, you know, that's a that's that's a little bit too um, specific and not like mainstream. So I don't I don't know if they're gonna do like a I don't know I guess they I, they also made that um, Matilda 
they did the musical version. Yeah. So there have been plenty of recent adaptations. Um, That's yeah, true. I don't, I don't know what they're going to kind of do going forward. It feels like it's a hard, a hard line to walk there. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think and you, it sounds like you might have a little bit of a better grasp on Roald Dahl than I do. But the one, one of the things I clicked into, um, especially with the characterization um, of Olivia Coleman's character, who I'm looking up her name. Mrs. Scrubbit. Right Mrs. Scrubbit. Yes, I, I thought that that was very Trunchable-esque, kind of this like um, over the top. And, and, and I bring Scrubbit up because I, I do want to talk about the really distasteful fat jokes and how they made it through. <laughs> all of the conversations about this movie. Um, I, I, I was watching the movie and I, I, I thought like, wow, like they're, they're giving Olivia Coleman such a fun character to play because in so many ways she like is this one dimensional villain and she's got these like yellow teeth and this like weird blonde wig, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and it kind of felt like a caricature, but not in a way that's like ick or feels, um, you know, rooted in something that was written 40, 50 years ago. However, all of the fat jokes made uh, toward Keegan-Michael Key's character, um, it's just, and I will say, and again, this kind of goes into the, the expectation thing we were talking about. I'd heard about that as a criticism. So going in, I was sort of braced for like the worst. Um, and that's not to say that some of the jokes aren't bad, but I think I was a little relieved that there weren't more of them. Yeah. Um, and I think especially, I, I want to say the first one that happens, I think it's in the song that Slugworth and the two other chocolatiers are singing. They make some sort of like joke at his expense. And to allude to our history, I was sort of thinking about it in the vein of Poor Unfortunate Souls, where like, I hate that they cut some of those lyrics in the recent live action Little Mermaid, because like, why are we trying to give moraliz moralization to a villain character like Ursula? So to me, the jokes that they made didn't feel ick however as the movie went on and he's like stepping out of a car with like yeah, there's a line about body shaming in that song which is like so yeah. crazy because i'm like i don't know i mean like i also went into it being like this is going to be really really bad and it like it's not that it's really really bad it's that like that entire character like the joke is just that he's fat for like the second yeah. half of the movie like there's not really much more to it than that and this is also about like you know, how an audience reacts. Like, I don't like being in a movie theater where people are laughing at that because they're only laughing at this character being fat. And it feels also like, I do think culturally, fat jokes are kind of on the way out. I think fat phobia is not, but I do think that you see fewer comedies where the punchline is that someone is fat. Yep. But this felt very like Eddie Murphy in a fat suit. This felt very yep. like that's what the joke is like there's not much more to it than that and i think also because like he's a villain and like i, I wrote this in my letterbox review but like it just kind of bothered me that it was like he was like a chocolate addict basically and he like mm -hmm. ate too much because i felt like he was being punished for that and it's like he should be punished for being a corrupt cop and not for the <laughs> fact that he's like loves chocolate the movie should be about why chocolate is the movie is about like why chocolate is good and magical so we shouldn't be shaming yeah. him for overindulging right exactly and it just clearly took so much work to put keegan michael key in a fat suit like why not just not like it just they really had to go like out of their way to do that yeah which is crazy. i get the logic too i think it's also very british humor like i understand yeah. I, I do understand like there's like it's a it's a good bit i guess that like every time you see him he will be bigger like that's kind yeah. of like that's that's the joke like, I, I get that but i think a lot of it then ends up relying on like 
how does this fat person stand and how do they get out of a car and like it ends up being a little bit like you know i it didn't it didn't ruin the movie for me um but i yeah. i thought it was a bit of a bummer it's just like you know i, I think that scrub it's a great like i think that those characters like the two scammers like <laughs> like yes part of the joke and how they're styled is that like these are ugly people and like that is very yeah. roll doll like he is all about like you know scary mean ugly people um it doesn't feel it feels a little it feels just mean enough it doesn't feel like it's actually yeah like you're gonna see that and be like that looks like i look like that and i feel offended by this it's like that's more of like a classic kind of roll doll character she's like vaguely abusive to an orphan like that's just kind of that's the way it is um whereas keegan michael key character feels like an original paul king contribution um mm-hmm. both of them are but that just feels more like just a him thing and that, i was like well why would you add this like you don't really you don't need it like there's so many other ways they could they could you would cut those jokes from the movie and it would still work it would work better um but it wouldn't ruin yeah. the plot yeah totally agree um but yeah that was pretty much my biggest criticism of the movie uh lewis is there anything else on the movie you want to touch on before we jump into the timothy of it all i don't think so i was just gonna say that i i really love this cast um Mm -hmm. and i was not familiar with um matthew bainton who was Mm -hmm. the other and he was so handsome and i just wanted to note that because i found him (laughs) very attractive he has like a really british face is he the one who was very um grossed out by the idea of poor people yes he's the one who's not matt lucas or slugworth um and i was just like well that's a handsome man that's that's my whole um contribution there Love that. Totally, totally agree. Yeah, let's let's jump into um, the... T- oh, one thing I'll say on cast. Um, it was driving me crazy. I'm going to blank on what song it was during, but it was during the song where um, there's, like, a cafe worker and then someone else in the square who, like, end up being, like, a couple. Um, the, the character's name was Barbara. I clocked it because I, I made a point to look at it later. It was driving me crazy trying to figure out where she was from. She's been in the most recent season of Netflix's You. Um, she's the... Um, I think she's like the new love interest on that or something. I don't know. You a show very a show I very much enjoy, but leaves my brain immediately after. Right, I that's the right it. way to consume you is to watch it and yeah. then never think about it again. If you think about it too much, it kind of falls apart. So yeah, and if I think about it too much, I just get really mad that they killed off Victoria Pedretti, who I think is an actual movie star and needs to work more. Um, very excited to see her in Ava DuVernay's uh, origin, um, but that's enough on my Victoria Pedretti uh, tangent. She's coming to Broadway um, in, uh, and she's going to be on Broadway and with uh, Jeremy Strong um in oh right enemy of the people the ibsen play is that what it is that sounds right maybe i'll have to make my way out for that because i love victoria pedretti she's great she's great yeah yeah all right let's talk about the timmy of it all and i I think this is a really cool one to talk about with casting just because um i'm sure this is the case for like (laughs) i know this is the case for all movies but you don't always get the like um bts if you will on it because um lewis i'm sure you're aware this role of wonka it kind of came down to timmy and tom holland um and i'm very curious to hear a your thoughts on if timmy was the right fit and then also if there's just anywhere else you know we, we mentioned kind of the the crop of young twinks out in hollywood um if there's anyone else you could sort of see um in this role or if you think timmy was kind of it and that's it and we're good to go I'm just imagining now Jacob Elordi as like a towering Wonka. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I no, I think he was absolutely the right choice. I I totally I can see the vision with Tom Holland too. I mean, I think that makes yeah. sense. Anyone who's seen the lip sync battle video of him doing Umbrella can see. Also, I think he's gonna like play Fred Astaire in a movie. So like, yeah, he can. Yeah, just... no, ab- absolutely. Um, I think what Timmy has that makes that like makes this work so well is that he he kind of like can pull off like weird alien thing. Like, I think you have to have some <laughs> kind of like. Um, I, I've always been attracted to men who look like exotic birds and have really Mm. sharp features. And I feel like he has a little (laughs) bit of that. Like he has, he's very angular and I think it works well because Wonka should be like a little bit scary sometimes in addition to being like charming. He should like have a little bit of like weirdness to him physically. And I think that you get all of that. I do. What I found so interesting about this movie is that like he was still very attractive despite not really like playing it that way. Like the character, I don't think it's meant to be attractive, um, but he got us there. And so um, kudos to him. Yeah. yeah, I know. I think it was a great choice. I think like, I like that. I mean, it's interesting that he's American, you know, that it's like, we could have gotten something that was an all, an all Brit production. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think, and I like that he just keeps his accent because he's like, I mean, they all have different accents because that's, it doesn't really matter where anyone is from or what they're doing there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I really, I really was into it. I do know. I, and it's like, this is the kind of movie where I feel like people should see it and feel like it opens up new opportunities for him. Like, I think it should be something that you see and you're like, I never thought of him this way. Um, I don't know if it's having that reaction. I don't know if people are feeling that way though. I feel like even people who like the movie I've seen a lot of like, you know, he acquits himself fine or like he does it. He does like a yeah. solid job. I don't know if anyone is like feeling like he actually did really well, but I, I thought it was a strong performance. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, I like Tom Holland a lot. I think he would have done well in the role, but I totally agree with you. There's something sort of um, off about Chalamet's Wonka that I'm not saying Tom Holland couldn't do, but I think there just is something to his screen presence that lends itself to that more. Um, And I love your point. I love that we're not having to have the conversation about like hot Wonka. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just, yeah, he's kind of hot and it's not like commented upon. It's just, you know, Um, the one thing I will say, and I'm not saying this because I, I guess I should just say it first and then I'll explain leaving the theater my boyfriend Casey did turn to me and he said, I think Timmy was great. I'm not saying he shouldn't have been in it, been in it, but I'm going to pitch you something. And I just want to hear your reaction. And he said, Mike faced Wonka from West Side Story and the upcoming challengers. Um, and I think it's, is it faced? Feist. I, I don't know how you pronounce it. Not Mike Feist. Sorry. Um, and he said those words and I was just kind of like, God damn it. Now I can never like, unlodge that thought from my head because now i also want to see that movie yeah well mike feist has the same has the i have a good mike feist story too but um he has the same thing (laughs) of like he has like he has like exaggerated features like he is a little bit like gangly he kind of looks Mm -hmm. like a sexy spider um (laughs) like i just feel like that's the same vibe he is more of a musical theater star like i think that he would play it differently i think it would be more of a traditional musical in that way yeah so yeah, i think it's I a, totally it, like it's different he could do the stage adaptation if they want to bring wonka back to the stage not this mm-hmm. wonka but if they want to like try willy wonka on broadway again which i don't know if they would 
consider they should do with yeah. Mike Feist. Yeah. Well, I'm, I won't make you go down the rabbit hole with the Mike Feist uh, story, but I will ask just a yes or no question. Did you get to hold his hand for 45 seconds? Oh my God, no. We, we've hugged. I've, I've, okay. I've interacted. We have, we have mutuals. Like we've had more, because he's like a New York uh, theater okay. actor. But I will just tell you really quickly, because it's funny that um, okay. we were at a, was it a Memorial Day barbecue? We were at something, some barbecue. And I asked him about Dear Evan Hansen, because he was in the original cast of Dear Evan Hansen. Mm-hmm. do you know dear van henson did you did you see the movie i've seen the movie yes so like connor like kills himself and like leaves the yeah. note but i was like how do we know he kills himself because the note they think is actually from him is not it's a note that evan wrote to himself so i was like couldn't he have just like od'd so i asked mike feist i was like hey i was just wondering like are you sure that connor <laughs> killed himself in dear van henson and he was like yeah we talked about it during um during like the you know when they were yeah. workshopping stuff and he definitely did so i was glad to have that closure um that's a very dark mike fight story but he's really <laughs> sweet about it so no i love that i love it was he the original in the original broadway cast yeah okay got it well love that for him again i i want to make this very clear to all of the listeners i'm very happy timothy's in this movie just after my boyfriend made that comment it did stick in my brain for a while um but yeah totally agree i think timmy is a great great addition to this movie and i and i agree with your your point about how you know mike's much more of a vocalist and i think that would have stood out a bit more in this movie um because yeah it, just, it feels like that's just not what they were going for and that would have been a different movie so all that to say lewis and i on the same page timothy castwell let's jump into performance and and as we inevitably do with all these episodes is we've made it pretty clear we think it's a great performance so we don't have to spend too too much time kind of um, you know, rehashing things we've already said. I'm I'm pretty sure we're both on the same page that this is a very good performance. Yeah, it's very good. I will I will say that like I don't think he should be in like the Oscar conversation. He's obviously not yeah. in the Oscar conversation. I think it's a very good performance. I think that like to me the star of this movie though is like is the script and the production yeah. design. Like I think he does a great job. Um and the whole cast does. Um I just think that like the standout is so clearly like Paul King is like the star of this movie. Mm-hmm. And so I think he does become secondary to that just by virtue of like, it's hard to stand out too much yeah. in a, in a Paul King production. I mean, like the star of Paddington, I guess is Paddington, mm-hmm. um, Ben Wishaw's voice, but like, it's really <laughs> a, like it's, it's like the, the warmth and, and love of, of the warmth of like, I'm trying to think of like how else to explain it. I mean, whatever the Paul Kingness of it. Yeah that is what we really come away from it thinking about. Yeah. I, I think that there are, um, and this is true for, for any actor, not, not just Timothy, but I think there are movies where he is there to serve the story. And then there are movies where he is certainly there to serve the story, but he's also lending his gravitas. And that's not to say he's not doing that for Wonka. He's obviously a big part of the promotion and the push, but this movie was going to happen with or without him to our earlier casting discussion. So it is interesting to kind of, and, and no no pun intended here, it's interesting to see him be part of the confection versus like the standout note or flavor. It really is about all of those elements coming together. And I, I agree to you. I think you have to credit that to Paul King versus like, this is not the Timothy Chalamet show, which is I think a really interesting way to talk about this performance because um, you have Gene Wilder for better. <laughs> you have Johnny Depp for worse. Like, this people have opinions on how this character can be played. And I think if you carbon copy either of them, it would be 
bad for a variety of reasons. So Timmy has to come in and make it his own thing while still um, dog whistling like nostalgia notes for people who obviously ex expect that. So I think um, I totally agree with you. I wouldn't like put him in like the Oscar conversation. I would have much rather have seen him in the conversation last year for Bones and all. Um, but yeah, he, I think he is great. And I think unfortunately by nature of um, the film and what it needed to accomplish, him knocking it out of the park was never going to be like the showcase. It was like, he needs to kill it. And then this movie works. I mean, I, I would say that like, it wouldn't, I think the movie would not work if it were someone else i mean mm -hmm. there are certain people we could read it could be but i think like the movie works in large part because of how good he is and how he like totally nails the tone of it which is really hard to do where it's like he has to kind of play it like he's like kind of an idiot but it's not like embarrassing and it ha he yeah. has to be like very it's like very sincere but also weird and like it it's just like he's a little bit childlike but not in a way that's like creepy like yep. Johnny Depp, not to keep going back to him. I mean, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think that I was thinking about Gene Wilder and in, in Willy Wonka, and it's like, obviously, he was like, you know, the the draw for many people who saw it back then. I mean, they they made the movie, they adapted Charlie and Chocolate Factory and made it into Willy Wonka because it was about him. But like, for those of us who like grew up with that movie, I think the star was also the production design, right? The star is like the pure imagination scene and like imagining a world yeah. where everything is edible um or the kinder trauma of the of the tunnel scene <laughs> i had a coworker reach out to me and be like i know you're seeing this movie can you please tell me if my kids can go see it um and actually not to keep going back to our screen drafts episode but i think we did kind of talk about sort of the rite of passage of like terrifying and scaring children and how it's important so i did say to her i was like i say this to someone who does not have kids who doesn't plan to have kids i believe we should scare children however i don't think there's anything in this movie that will terrify yeah them. no i mean it's it's not it's not scary i mean i guess like the orphan stuff but it's not really like a scary yeah. situation <laughs> yeah. um yeah no i i just i i think that um he should get a retroactive nomination for bones and all yep as should she, as should the Absolutely. movie, as should Luca. Yeah. Like, I mean, we can, it's a whole different conversation. Um, <laughs> at least it's on, it's on the Timmy page. So it's not too much yeah. of a tangent. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think, I, I, I really would love to know like what his experience of making this was. Cause it's so hard when like actors are on press tours to get the, like a sense of like, like this usually sounds like a, a dismissive thing to say, but I genuinely hope he had a good time making it. I hope that he wants <laughs> to make more of them. Um, I want him to be the counterpoint to like, Hugh Grant like feeling completely miserable at every appearance he has where he, where he like clearly like hated doing this and hated the process and like feels resentful of the fact that he has to like do interviews and talk about being an Oompa Loompa like I really I hope that it was like a nice break for Timmy from having to mm -hmm. do things that are like either things like Doom that are just like maybe not unfun but like really huge intense would be in productions yeah. or, or like you know heavy character dramas where he has to really kind of like cry a lot or yeah. get his all or whatever you know i, I think yeah. that like this is a obviously a different skill set and like hopefully a, a fun one yeah yeah i totally agree um yeah I, I'm, i'd be curious to know on a personal level for him um, obviously he didn't go like right from set to set because Wonka wrapped a while ago and they haven't started shooting yet but it is interesting that his next role is going to be Bob Dylan because he is both 
again playing a beloved character but and we don't know anything about the movie so i can't really speculate but i'd have to imagine there's a lot more pressure on him probably to play bob dylan than it is wonka so hopefully wonka was a little bit of a respite before he has to go into uh bob dylan territory yeah i don't know that hugh grant will ever consider wonka to be that that, i just like i've watched that video so many times where they're speaking in french do you watch yeah. the video where yeah, 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 Hugh yeah. Grant is like... Please, please, tell, I'm sure people have seen it, but please explain it, because I it also lives rent-free in my mind, and uh, I've been quoting it to Casey uh, left and right. I don't speak French. It's a video, their video, they're, spe- they're doing a French interview, it's just a clip. And Timothy speaks French, so he has this, like, flawless accent. Yes, he is saying in French, I play Willy Wonka, and then, like, Hugh Grant, I'm not going to do it in French, because I don't have <laughs> pronunciation, and then Hugh Grant, like, looks like he wants to die, and is like, I play the Oompa Loompa, and there's this, like, long pause... He just he just like seems really unhappy. He oh, that's that's also like very British actor though to like do press talk yeah. about how much you hate everything. But he does seem like genuinely unhappy about yeah. Which is like I thought he did a nice job. I thought it was like yeah. He's he's good. The performance is fun. Um, this is an observation I made after the movie with with my boyfriend. Um, they use him just enough. Like there's not too much oompa loompa, which I think is great because he like makes the appearance he needs to and i really loved how they actually um because there's obviously the very um valid and um crucial element about the oompa loompas that crosses into is it slavery is this you know uh, forcing people of color to work in a factory for a white man making money i like how they sort of approach that in the final scene um while also like keeping i mean the design of him is like literally the design from the the gene wilder film so they're not acting as if this is like a completely different thing but they kind of make it this like p- partnership slash like willy wonka actually like paying the oompa loompa back kind of thing so i thought that was really lovely my but one yeah, complaint um, about the oompa loompa is that um his first song doesn't quite scan like there's a there's a lyric that like doesn't he it, it, it doesn't quite work it's like they had the tune from the original oompa loompa songs and there's like if you listen to like the first song like one of the lines doesn't scan and it it bothers me and it feel i feel like they should have added a word um that's my biggest complaint about the oompa loompa of the movie i was also dreading that part of it just because like there's Mm -hmm. so much there everything you mentioned plus like casting little people to play those roles in the original movie like there's a lot of like bad feelings around oompa loompas for good reason um they did a good job it, it it totally worked um and and the fact that yeah. he hates it so much like makes it a little bit better for me personally yeah i wonder too um because it's been a few years so i don't remember exactly how the press tour went but i feel like he was like overjoyed to be in paddington too and it was sort of a hugh grant renaissance kind of coming out of everything there so i wonder if he i mean i i have to imagine he knew he was playing an oompa loompa so he signed on knowing what he was getting into but yeah maybe his maybe his expectations were just a little too too off based on his prior experience with paul king it's interesting that he's doing so much press because he's a small part of the movie no pun intended but like i think that you know paddington 2 was like that was very much like oh we forgot that hugh grant was so great and like all there was so much press around that and like that's not really the wonka story no one's being like hugh grant is is the breakout star of this movie um he's like a funny part as an oompa loompa so i don't know what he was expecting but like i don't think he has the obligation to kind of be as gracious and like excited as he might have been doing paddington 2 press yeah yeah and even though they do give the oompa loompa a name like 
to your point in that clip, he's not saying like I play Lofty the Oompa. He's like I'm playing Oompa Loompa. Like he. Yeah, just, I already just... forgot that he had a name. <laughs> it's Lofty. Very important. Yeah, yeah. But wasn't that wasn't that like not, I mean I don't want to spoil anything. Wasn't that not his real name? Yeah, I can't remember if it was not his real name or he was just lying about being like tall for an Oompa Loompa because it is revealed that he is like half an inch uh, shorter than yeah. half an inch shorter. Yeah, so. Yeah, I can't remember. I mean, again, I think just at the end of the day, Hugh Grant doesn't even know that his name was probably Lofty. He just knows that he was Oompa Loompa, so it's fine. It, yeah, but I good for him, and I, you know, I hope that he is enjoying his press tour. Exactly. Um, I will also say before we get into um, the peach ratings, I definitely plan to see this again um, every year. My family goes to the movies on Christmas. This was definitely in contention. Um, we are seeing Ferrari because I've already bought the tickets. However, I did tell my family we were definitely going to see this when I'm home for the holidays. Not only because I want to see it again and I think they will like it, but on the way out of the AMC, I did see a Wonka hat that is a popcorn bucket, and I have decided that I need that. So I will be seeing it again, um, and I will definitely let everyone know when I acquire that. I love that like hat. movie theater concessions are already so expensive, and they've figured out we'll pay like way more for these like commemorative ones that like yeah. now they're just going to do that for every movie. I I salute it. Um, yeah. It's a great choice. Um, I want to. I actually I was hoping that I ha I get the I get screeners end of year for like my critics group, and mm -hmm. I have the Warner Brothers screening app. And it like I, I think I told you I was like waiting for them to put Wonka in it because mm -hmm. I wasn't sure if I'd see it in the theaters. I'm glad that I did, but like I wanted it to show up. And I'm like I'm waiting because I just want to rewatch it myself. I will yeah. like, absolutely put it on and like maybe fall asleep to it. I found it to be very comforting, and I like yeah. already need to revisit. Yeah, love that. All right, well let's jump into the peach ratings. Uh, we will start with the movie, Lewis. I will remind you this is a one to five rating. However, because a peach is a tangible thing that you can take multiple bites out of, um, you can go to half peaches, you can go to no peaches if the spirit so moves you. So the one to five, um, one obviously being not good, five being incredible, um, but you can sort of play with it as you will. Are you ready to talk about peach ratings? Any questions before we jump in? Okay, let's do the rating for the movie. Um, so if you follow either Lewis and I on Letterboxd, I don't think this will be much of a surprise. Um, I gave it a four and a half peaches. Um, I, I, I will fully admit um, being Timothy Pilled, having been a few beers in, enjoying it with somebody that I love, I was fully in the right place to love this movie. I can fully see a four being a more appropriate rating, but I, I'm going to go with four and a half, um, at least based on the one viewing that I've seen. I can definitely see that maybe right sizing down to a four in the future. But I, as I said in the episode, I was very surprised by this movie. was really relieved. It was great. Um, my favorite reaction to the reactions that it was good was the uh, screen grab. Speaking of people in fat suits, the screen grab of um, Tom Hanks in Elvis. But instead of being surprised by Elvis being white, it's that Wonka was good, um, which was my entire reaction to it. So, yeah, I'm a four and a half peaches out of five. Uh, Lewis, what say you? Um, so I, I think that it's grown a bit in my memory since I saw it. So I think that like I'm not at a four and a half peaches i may be at like a four and a quarter i may Love be at it. like four and two bites where like i think it's a four-star movie i think that yeah. like i had a strong emotional reaction to it which always makes me want to bump it up and the fact that like i've been listening to the songs and like mm -hmm. desperate to see it again like i have to acknowledge the reality that it is like it is getting closer to four and a half than it was for me before um yeah I, yeah i think this is a movie that like i'm really excited to watch again 
um and i had to watch with other people and to see mm-hmm. how like like i will make my boyfriend watch it over the holidays um assuming i get that screener coming in and i i am excited to see if that changes things i think it, it will definitely have me bumping up my my letterbox but in the meantime i will i will bump up my my peach to four four and a quarter love it i think that speaks volumes about the movie I was, I, as you were going through i was sort of thinking and this is not to say that we you know i think it's great that we judge all movies as fairly as possible you know one to five stars obviously being a letterboxd user like is my rating of choice but i was thinking as you were going through that i feel like wonka being a four out of five like is the win like i don't think this is a movie that is like trying to be a five out of five movie and that's not to say it couldn't be but i i think that given the cultural context given where we are this movie being you know between a four and a half and a and a four yeah like that's all i can hope for. absolutely i never would have dreamt it this this felt like such a three-star movie to me if not a two and a half that like i'm shocked that i'm approaching four four and a half exactly all right let's jump to timmy's performance um i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna be i think i'm gonna be really consistent in these ratings it's like a four and a half for me i think um it's it's a great performance i think to to the kind of our points earlier the movie sort of has to he has to work within the context of the movie and though he's doing so many great things i think you know to to our points earlier he sounds great even though he's not a powerhouse vocalist i think his dancing is really lovely i think he carries the movie really beautifully and gives it just the amount uh the right amount of quirk um and fun and i think that the um the emotional moments, especially toward the end um, with him opening the chocolate and seeing his mom. I think there's just a sweet enough, no pun intended, um, kind of melancholy note there that gets to play against kind of the craziness of the rest of the movie. Um, but yeah, to to what we said earlier, I don't think this is like uh, I, if I were running, you know, the awards campaigns at Warner Brothers, I don't think I'd be pushing him for a best actor nom. But I do think it's a very, very good performance. And to, to to what I said earlier, I think that he had a lot going in that he had to prove because this is a role played by, for better or for worse, very iconic people. So I think he equates himself very well. I think it's a good performance. It's four and a half for me. Uh, where does he land for you, Lewis? Um, I'm going to say four based on what we talked about before, where it's like, I just think that like in the context of this movie, it can't get that much higher for me, but you were talking, you were almost talking me into raising it because I do think that he's very good at the end and the, the whole last bit where I was like, you know, weeping in the theater with the chocolate bar and the golden ticket and the pure imagination. Like he does that so, so well. It's hard Mm -hmm. to separate that from like what Paul King is doing to like make me emotional. But like, I do think he plays it really well. I think it's a, it's a role that like, it's almost easy to overlook what he's, how he's like juggling it. And I feel like in the trailer, a lot of it looked really weird. And the fact that it works so well in the context of the whole performance and the whole movie, I think is a credit to him. Um, Yeah. I think it's like, I think, no, I would not be arguing. He should get a nomination for this. I do wonder if we were doing a screen drafts, Timmy draft, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm, I kind of feel like I would want, I mean, who knows? when that would happen and like how many more movies there would be. But like, I feel like there is a good case to include this by virtue of the fact that it's showing a much different, it's showing a different skill set. Like I was saying before, like I think it's something that belongs in like the Timmy Cannon and is like an important reflection of the fact that he's kind of always been 
like there's a battle in him where he's like a little bit of a musical theater kid who also like wants to be yep. a rapper and i feel like yeah. this is obviously much more of a musical theater side and i i like that it showcases that yeah totally love your point i love the very real very accurate juxtaposition of at heart to me as a theater kid who happens to be hot enough and has the clout enough to be dating a uh, Kardashian Jenner. So I think this is a very important to your point step in his filmography. I agree. Uh, if, and I mean, Clay and Ryan know that when the Timmy draft comes up, I am there and I am available. Um, I, yeah, I think this would be like a great, like six or seven slot. Cause I think it like, I think it's a great way to kick off the list and kind of show what he can do as he moves forward. But then he does have his like more kind of dramatic and or, um, and I'll tip my hat to the Timmy that I kind of love as we get into attractiveness and hair, but more of like the the brooding or the emotional kind of kind of thing. All right, let's talk attractiveness. So I I am waffling here because I think I think what's making me waffle is the hair, and I don't want to get into the hair yet. So I'm j- and I I've said this on the show. I get that the hair plays into attractiveness. The hair the attractiveness plays into hair still need to separate them because i think at the end of the day you have to but i think with attractiveness i'm gonna go i'm gonna take a page out of your book lewis i'm gonna thread the needle i'm gonna go four and a quarter because i'm waffling between four and five and i feel like what's drag and i and i say dragging it down it's not bad i'll get it we'll get into it in a second the hair to me is more of a four and the attractiveness attractiveness is four and a half is four and a half so i'm gonna meet in the middle in say four and a half um i don't need to I, i've spent i've spent too much of my life talking about how attractive i find timothy i don't need to get into it i will say i'm in total agreement with you um i love the avian quality to his features the the edges and the the, the points and everything um <laughs> the really only thing i can really add to this movie um before i'll turn it over to you lewis um i think in some other movies it's either not as prominent or it goes away a bit but in this movie the timothy edging toward unibrow is on full display and i love that i love love when his eyebrows are just like threatening to me in the middle so i'm gonna go four and a quarter um where are you at lewis and were you also uh, enamored and distracted by timothy unibrow always distracted by any unibrow um i'm i'm also torn because i i googled it because i wanted i i wanted to refresh my memory about his hair and all of the screenshots look so weird. I just Googled Wonka Timothy Chalamet and like the screenshots look, yeah. he looks like such a goof and like not really in a positive way. <laughs> like he looks ridiculous in every screen grab from this movie yeah. and every promotional shot. Like it's that one yeah. photo of him where he's like, looks like I know on Twitter, people keep saying he's like gooning in it. Um, yeah. I cannot believe we got through so much of this episode without talking about gooning, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like in terms of that, that picture of him where he's like kind of cross-eyed, like, that's yeah. like not it's Which, like not attractive it didn't really seem like it was in the movie i don't think that was in the movie i think it's there but it happens faster okay maybe it happens really fast he works so much better in the movie than he does in these like stills yeah. um yeah. but they're like distracting me i'll I'll give him like a solid four i, I did think he was very yeah. attractive i think that yes great point that it's like not a it's not like a this wonka fox like it's not like <laughs> he is like kind of asexual and it's it's fine he's just like naturally very handsome so like it's he's appealing to look at but you're not really thinking of him in a sexual context yeah to our point earlier this is not hot wonka this is not this wonka fucks however um yeah it would be not within the spirit of this episode that we didn't mention 
the fact that I now know what gooning is because of this movie and how prominent that was on the internet. Um, the less said about that, the better. Um, but yeah, I'm in agreement. I think if you were too hot, we would be having the this Wonka fucks conversation. That's not what this movie needed. It's also complicated because like, I think that it's really hard to have a character where like their sidekick is like a little kid and have it like not feel yeah. either condescending or like kind of inappropriate. Like he's very neutral in that way. Like there's nothing like weird about their relationship. It's very, it's on, it's not paternal either. It's like very, yep. they're like on, on kind of an even playing field. And I think the character right. being sort of asexual is like important to that. Like it's not, there's no yeah. romance. There's nothing. It's just like, he's just like a guy who wants to make chocolate and loves his yeah. mom and loves his mom, which who could ask for anything more really in a partner, even though I, I agree it's good that he doesn't have a, a love interest in the movie. So let's jump to the hair. Um, and then actually I'm going to go retrospectively ask you a question after we've gotten through these ratings on attractiveness and hair just because I'm curious. And I think that people would love to know. Um, so the hair for me is a four and I feel like I'm saying that and it feels like I'm saying two and I know that I'm not, I'm saying four. I love that the hair is long in this movie. And I think that this is done to, invoke and nod to gene wilder but while the hair is long it's sort of like up and it's not like full mad scientist but there is like a choice to kind of bring the the, the famous timmy curls up a bit and i am very much on record as loving the like paul atreides kyle from ladybird in his eyes brooding hair so i just think on a, a personal level this hair is not for me however we're still Timothy Chalamet hair, so, like, it's great. So, a four, but as I say four, I feel like I'm saying two. Um, Lewis, where did you where did you fall in the hair? I'm tempted to say four and a half, because mm -hmm. the last Wonka that we had had some of the most <laughs> horrifying hair ever captured on film, to the extent yeah, that, like, yeah. I can't unsee it. The bob. It's just, like, I just, like, hate it. And I feel like I was so relieved, like... I mean, his hair covered by a hat for a lot of this, so I, I don't really... It's not a great movie for his hair in general. But, like, what sure. I did see, I wasn't mad about. And looks so much better compared to... Um, I, Johnny Depp Wonka keeps catching strays, but so be it. <laughs> Sometimes things catch strays because they need to. That's true. And that hair was really bad. So, um... Yeah. That wig. I mean, obviously it was a wig, but um, yeah. yeah, no, I, 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 I'm going to give him four and a half. Why not? I haven't given any four and a half yet. So it feels like it's time. I love it. Okay. Well, these are my two follow-up questions I teased. Um, Lewis, based on the films you've seen, what would you say is the most attractive Timmy's looked on screen from pure attractive standpoint? And then what is his best hair on screen? It's a really good question. If you need time to think on it a bit, you can also tell us what his hair looked like in person when you held his hand for 45 seconds. Oh, I don't, I mean, I think it was, I, I'm sure it was like on the shorter side. Um, I'm trying mm -hmm. to think, um, I like kind of dig the like dirtbag cannibal look from Phones mm -hmm. and All. Like, I think it's really, like, I think it's, it's very. The Midwestern dirtbag. Yeah, I find that very, I think. He's very attractive in that movie. And he also kisses a man. So, like, maybe that's part of it. Yeah. In a very bizarre, sexy, and then upsetting scene. <laughs> I, yeah, that's my favorite. The hair, obviously, is, like, not great. It's dated. Yeah. It's, like, intentionally. It's a period piece. But that's, that's the point. Yeah. For that, sure. That's, for sure. That's, that's the struggle of the, the rate. And I realize, you know, I dug myself into this own, uh, this own grave with the system. But, like, it's hard to separate the, like, when it's working for me versus like what's appropriate for the character. And yeah, and bones and all it's like, 
because it makes the character hot it almost makes the hair hot and then you got to be a little i'm not you know, i'm not mad about it i but I, I was like googling pictures from the movie and like i think it is i think it is the most attractive he has looked in a movie um mm-hmm. but i also like gravitate toward like attractiveness that makes you a little uncomfortable and like obviously he yeah. is scary in that movie um and you know but hair wise i do think dune is like hair wise alone like that is like luscious luxurious mm-hmm. hair windswept in his eyes also like it's not it's still a little it has a little curl to it so it's not quite this but it reminds me of like my type when i was in college which was like emo boys with like you know the hair sweep yeah. like over half their face like it's not that but it evokes that it's like a it's like a more contemporary yeah. or i guess fantasy world version of that um yep. sci-fi fantasy emo hair and like the way he styled in that movie, it's just it's yeah, that's a really good look too. I was looking at both of them to see like which one I thought was overall more attractive, and my heart said the dirtbag, the dirtbag cannibal. Yeah, I love it. It's dirty, and I like that. Yeah, we are in total agreement. Um, unfortunately for me, uh, the more a guy looks like he went to the warp tour in the late aughts, the more attracted to him I'm probably going to be. So, yeah, full agreement. And also, like I mean, to be fair, like he hasn't had that many movies that I've seen where he wasn't playing like high school. Like there, yeah. like he, I mean, he's uh, how old is he now? Like 20, late twenties. I think he is turning. God, this is something that should be at the top of my, I think he's turning. He's turning 20, turning 28 in the Tur- week. Yes. Capricorn King. Yes. So, um, but it's weird. I mean, like, like, I, you know, I think that like, it's, it's hard to talk about those. Mo- I don't really want to talk about his physical appearance as much in those earlier movies. Like there's sure. less to work with here where I'm like comfortable saying that's the hottest he's ever looked on the screen. But yeah. Um, that aside, like if I had to like vote of all of them, it's, it's going to be bones and all. Um, and I, yeah, and I, I think they, yeah, that's definitely like, because that's my type, but like, I don't know. It just really worked with it. Like he just really looked good in that movie. Yeah, you're actually you're you're bringing me flashbacks to when we covered movies like Miss Stevens and Interstellar, and I'm pretty sure there was an equal amount of discomfort on attractiveness. So we, I think we maybe on a few occasions went with like his level of cuteness. I don't know. I'm not going to go back and listen to those episodes because I don't have the time. But he was of age when he made those movies. Um, yeah. Except, I mean, I don't. Homeland was he maybe still a teenager or? Yeah. So he was on Homeland in 2012, and he was born in 95. So he was like probably 16, 17 when he shot it. But like Lady Bird, call me by your name. He was he was he was 18. So it wasn't as ick as potentially it could have felt anyway yeah we're, i'm glad we agree um it would be shocking if i were like wonka is the most attractive he's ever looked on screen <laughs> um but but it's still timothy it is and i'm gonna actually like realizing that i'm gonna have to like rewatch bones and all like tonight because now i just like can't yeah. think about it and like what a fucking movie yeah hell yeah yeah i rewatched little women last night which i think he just looks absolutely incredible in and i'm so glad that that is a christmas movie so i get to watch it once a year but i actually have not Rewatch Call Me By Your Name this year. So maybe that needs to be on my like pre pre New Year's Eve list of things to do is maybe a little maybe a little Call Me By Your Name or Lady Bird is what I need because he yeah, just mwah, chef's kiss in those movies. Uh, yeah, I think I, I was thinking the little woman might be it might be time for a rewatch. Obviously, it's the season and I've, I'm just yeah. like I'm cramming year end stuff. I'm trying to like I missed so much this year and I'm trying to rewatch all of that and do like my year end mm-hmm. lists and everything. And I'm like, but I sort of just want to rewatch things that I know that I love that are like festive. Yeah, exactly. Well, Lewis, I am so, so grateful that we got paired up on screen drafts so you can come and join me 
here on our 23rd episode of Chasing Chalamet. So glad that um, Wonka was not just another tick or notch in the AMC A-list belt, but actually an enjoyable movie that, who knows? I, I know it is not explicitly a Christmas movie, but much like how I saw It's Complicated on Christmas in 2009, it might enter the pantheon of holiday movies because I saw it at the holidays. It's a great family movie. I think it's a movie people yeah. will yeah. see a lot over Christmas. Well, so, so glad that you were able to join us. Louis, uh, is there a place that people can find you on the internet if you so desire them to? Yes, you can find me on Twitter slash X at Lewis Peitzman. Uh, and that is also my name on Letterboxd, which I much prefer, even though like lately I've been writing like essays about movies from 30 years ago that no one cares about. Um, <laughs> so maybe it's boring, but I, that's where I do most of my writing these days is on Letterboxd. So yeah. you can follow me there. Yeah, really cannot um, promote and endorse the Letterbox uh, community enough. Um, Letterbox is a really lovely place to connect with people who watch movies and read reviews. Um, so yeah, totally cosign on what Lewis said there. And if you enjoyed Lewis and I jabbering on about movies, there is about seven hours of content, that's that, on the Screen Drafts feed uh, about us talking uh, with Rebecca McKendry and BJ Colangelo about the 26 uh, best Walt Disney Animated uh, Studios features of all time. So if you enjoyed listening to us talk about Timothy, maybe head over to the Screen Drafts feed and listen to that there. Um, you can find me, I am on Twitter and I'm Instagram at the Dane McDonald. Uh, our show is also on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, we are Chalamet Chasing. And on Instagram, we are Chasing Chalamet. Uh, if you enjoyed listening to the show, please consider giving us a reading and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Share it with your friends, your family. Uh, if you have a Timothy stand in your life, absolutely share it with them. Probably right up their alley and would make a lovely little holiday gift for them. Chasing Chalamet is written, hosted, and produced by me, Dane McDonald. The show is also produced and edited by Will Bybee. Our theme music is by Jacob Horn. You can hear more from him and his band, the Jacob Horn Trio on Spotify, Apple Music, and Bandcamp. Our cover art was designed by Jessica Deal. You can find more of her work at jessicadeal.com, and Deal is spelled D-E-A-H-L. And until next time, later. <laughs>